Hey everybody, welcome to the Going in Circles Big Monday show. My name is Charles Simon. My co-host, Barry Spears, will be with us right after the first break. We are going to recap some of the action at Parks. Talk a little bit about the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile. Um, which had two, probably the two biggest preps for the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile were this week, at least with horses who uh, figure to be prominent in that race. Life is good uh, in one. And the Parks Dirt Mile, which was a little bit more of a controversial race is, uh, as the other race that was run that should have a a major say in, in that race. Uh, we talk about some of the other races. We talk a little reminiscing about the old days and um, go through the fields of 1985 Breeders' Cup Turf, which consisted of mostly... Uh, you know, the Europeans ran one, two, four, I think. So, the more things change, the more they stay the same. But we'll be back in uh, in just a minute. Is this the? Uh... <laughs> Is this total handle up, sniper? Yes, my total handle is up. <laughs> all sources. All sources. Your all sources handle. Yes. <laughs> uh, reading press releases from racetracks these days, it's it's, <laughs> it's like like reading the Enquirer. It's like a puzzle. <laughs> all right, they're saying this, but they mean this. But what's the truth about? Like in the end, like any, the, I can't believe any of what's, that. What's the hypothesis? Uh, handles up, but uh... they need to attach like a, a formula. Like this is how we came to this number. You know what's funny is, um, <clears throat> is someone actually um, on a thread on Twitter, the one of the ones that was actually worthwhile to society, unlike some of the other in name bullshit that goes on there. Um, <laughs> someone, um, I think Rob Maciel said, um, you know, it'd be nice if we knew where all the, uh, <laughs> the handle came from. I, I guess it, it all stemmed from Pat Cummings had tweeted out a article on a, actually it's on like a I think it's on like an ADW right. website, it's right? Published, yeah. Um, about hey, about about you know the the very topic that we've we spoke about a lot, and when uh, <laughs> when old Crunk was still operating, uh, you know we we talked about that quite a bit. How um, you know the deceptive handle practices, uh, especially what Delmar was doing with, uh, you know, counting, mixing in uh, simulcast wagers on other tracks as as on-track handle, which, you know, has never been the case. The, the definition, the very definition of on-track handle is... I mean, doesn't, changed, that, doesn't but... that feel unethical to them in, in, a, in a sense? You know what I mean? It would be like we can't include that. <laughs> well, it, it's I don't know if it's unethical or I mean or, it's a little bit deceptive. And I mean, 
Or create another category for it. I mean, if you really want to talk about it. I mean, yeah. I mean, if I go to the track, if, I, if I'm at your track <clears> and I, I'm betting money at uh, a third-party track, yeah, it, it's bet at your track and, and you're collecting some piece of that. And, and that's the thing is it's so complicated now. I'm trying to figure out um, where the money goes, where the money comes from and where the money goes to. And, and I mean, it's like super complicated, um, probably yeah, way more than we even true. realize when you start taking into consideration different state laws, different county laws. I mean, there's so much. Um, it, it's just a. I know I know somebody's going to listen to this and take the idea, but I'm all for it. But like, you know, just like uh, do like a little little short video, you know, and show somebody placing a $2 wager on a track and just following that chain of where that money goes. Well, the thing is, is the, you know, vision of where the $2 is. If, if make a $2 bet like on track, <clears throat> it's, it's not really that complicated. It, it, or if you, even if you bet through um, like, your own tracks, ADW, like a Naira bets bet right through on Naira. Where it gets complicated is is um, you know, source market fees and other you know other rates that are charged right um, along the way, and everybody's paying different rates, and it's um, I, I, I believe that there's even like uh, some some ceilings and uh, on certain things. And uh, it's, it's just, the, it's, it's very, very complicated. And the fact is that we're probably never going to find out no, exactly. a lot of, of this stuff because, uh, you know, the tracks treat it as um, proprietary information, you know? So, <clears throat> I mean, in the end, I don't know what we would do with that information anyways, other than probably, just uh, confirm a lot of the things that we already think. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, to, to validate our, our suspicions. Yeah. I mean, but it's, it's, um, <laughs> I, I mean, it'd be interesting. I'd, I'd like to know, you know, just, just personal knowledge. I'm, you know, kind of a math person in general anyway. So, um, I, I, I'd be interested in that. I don't think everybody would, but, I certainly would. <laughs> Where does the money go? Yeah, it's it's you know, where's it coming from? That that's another question, you know, that that's really not very well answered by anyone. I mean, it's it's honestly there's that's a lack of media in the business now, like independent media that a lot of these questions just are never asked. Um for obvious reasons yeah it's, everybody's interconnected <laughs> right so uh and, and there are a lot of people that don't care and that's certainly their prerogative and i mean you know if you're a weekend player and you're betting a couple hundred bucks a weekend probably not you know doesn't really affect you that much anyways it does but it doesn't you know um but there, there is a good question, you know, the, 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 what the, the article stated, go back to the beginning, was that uh, 
that the the handle was up over the weekend last weekend at <clears throat> Woodbine for the Woodbine Mile. And, oh yeah, uh, the international and and um, talked a little bit about the odds dropping and how you know the late odds drops and how that's you know pretty much accepted now that that is a computer wager issue because it doesn't happen at the tracks that don't have um you know significant computer money the smaller tracks or you could also say it doesn't happen much at uh you know naira anymore ever since they started cutting them off you're cutting them out of the win the win wagers only uh, maybe it's the other the place in show but I, I don't think so i think it's just the win wagers because that's really the only thing we see you you know that's on the tote board uh, you look at the tote board they have the only odds that are on there are the horses win odds so that's the most visible change that, that could be made but um you know the the point was that you know it's the same point that we've been making and a lot of people have been making it, it's discussed at least at this point um you know there's still a lot of unknowns out there and uh, I don't like you said. Uh, I don't know that we're ever going to get the answers we really want, but um, you know, and and one of the things is the regulators don't really care, and that's just the way it is. I mean, the state regulators don't care, and and the, believe me, the people behind the HISA law they don't really care either. It's not in their right. That's not in their um, you know. They battled. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, they have a lot on their plate. I mean, they're, they're out there. I saw today their um, someone posted the, their uh, job. Um, oh, job description. Description, yeah, yeah. Right, they're they're hiring, right? Correct. Uh, yeah, they're looking for a CEO. <laughs> Which, I mean. I'm not entirely familiar with how you know processes like this go, but I mean it's October almost, right? So like they're supposed to have this thing done by like you know December fifteenth to go to the uh, Federal Trade Commission by like you know to, to have some kind of period of public um, debate, right? Debate, right? You know, yeah. there's, there's so. Uh, it just seems I know there's a temper. I know there's a, what did they call him? an intern CEO that was hired that had a bunch of industry jobs. And in interestingly, I've, I never heard of the guy. And no offense to him, but like I had never seen that name um, anywhere brought up. Uh, I, I just don't ever remember seeing it. Maybe I had, and and, and uh, but. Um, they are not going to focus on that, at least in the uh, the beginning of uh, the law, if it's, it winds up being implemented anytime soon. Uh, I mean, it seems though there's more and more people that are that are saying that that there are the legal challenges, especially the ones from the state attorney generals, uh, are valid and that. The Supreme Court may be interested in hearing uh, this topic because it's not just, you know, it's not a horse racing thing per se. It's it's about a private entity having governmental 
you know, regulatory powers and not having them uh, having them have not have any checks and balances. Which, um, yeah, it's a, know, it's a whole lot bigger than just horse racing. Yeah, <laughs> but um, I mean, it's it's I don't know. It it, it seems. It seems like they're a million miles away, and I don't know why the the law was was required. I, I don't. I don't know that it's even required. And and I ask these questions of people. Trust me, it's not that I haven't tried to find out. Um, but I don't know why the timeline to implement this thing was so fast because it's a huge undertaking. I mean. It's a huge underestimated that, you know, just based on, oh, well, it's just horse racing. You know, you're you're creating this from scratch. Right. right? They they really had no idea how much of a cluster it it really is. And then untangling all that and then head in the right direction. Like you said, it probably take a couple years to get it right. That's the thing is, I don't know that. This isn't like a normal process, right? This is a federal process that's kind of being done not by a federal authority. I mean, it's from scratch, you know? It's not an existing um, group, and it's under the auspices of the Federal Trade Commission, but the Federal Trade Commission has no horse racing experts on its staff. You know, (laughs) so it's not as though... um, you know they do. They did that because they wanted to make sure that they that the law wouldn't. You know would 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 be considered legal. Um, but it just seems like they didn't give themselves enough time. <laughs> All I can think of is some some you know like anonymous horse player working at the FTC and, and somebody going in there, hey, does anybody here know anything about horse racing? Guy raises his hand and he's like the guy. You know what's so funny was um I listened to Travis Tiger from the USADA on uh, on Joey Bianca's show, the TDN show. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> one of his big um his his big tactics it seemed was that that's apparently worked well in humans um but may not work so well in horses is a hotline uh you know an 800 tip line a tip line yeah which which has been in existence i mean most racetracks you walk around somewhere in the backside or even the front side you'll see a line that you see a number a number that says hey if you know something call this number i don't know how often it gets called um, probably a lot more than we think, but that, that's what I was thinking was if you create a, like a national hotline for people, um, you know, giving tips about wrongdoing every time there's like a move up horse or something, oh my God, people It'd might like get bombarded hot. with like 150 calls, right? Worst players. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I could see like angry horse players like the horse had a 52 bar and he just ran a 96. There's no way this is possible. This guy has to be, you know, and he he, he claimed, and of course, this is of course what you're going to say. I mean, you're not going to say, yeah, we're going to ignore 
the people, the, the ones that don't make any sense, you're going to say, yeah, everyone that comes through, we have to take seriously. Yeah. Take seriously. <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, I certainly know in human athletics versus horse athletics, there's far few unreasonable people probably involved <laughs> in human athletics than there are in horse athletics. And that doesn't mean that, that there's not. Uh, I mean, look, everybody screamed at the top of their lungs for years about Navarro. Uh, to a lesser extent, service, but about Navarro and and you know when when the FBI slapped the cuffs on them guys, I mean a lot of people felt vindicated because that what they were saying turned out to be correct, and it's not like like um, everybody's turned into a fourteen percent trainer, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, all I can think of is is the red hot phone from from the old school but live action Batman. It's just people just ringing that thing off the hook. That's what I mean. I was like, like just think about the Twitter. Just just think about just horse racing Twitter. How many calls that would generate on its own? Hickman would be on there every two seconds. Hickman oh. <laughs> might be an FBI cousin. <laughs> <laughs> some of his rants <laughs> oh man <clears throat> you know speaking of rants there was a race over the weekend at parks the the, the parks dirt mile which uh, which turned into a really good race yeah it was it was actually pretty decent um and of course you know, if, if you hadn't seen it, I'm, well, if you hadn't seen it, you're listening to this show. Where the hell you been? But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there wasn't a whole lot of compelling racing going on this weekend outside of parks, which is kind of a frightening thought in, in itself. But I mean, Silver State made a big move. He broke a little slow, which I think helped him in, in that race because even though the pace wasn't like super fast, they were all chasing, and the first five all went backwards except for mind control who was the only horse remotely close to the pace that that was around at the end um and silver state made a you know made a big run and looked like he was going to get by well he did he got by he, did. he was a length ahead of <laughs> about, yeah it was about, about maybe three quarters of a length and then he all of a sudden he kind of like you know flipped his ears and looked like he was going to prop almost and of course, everybody went nuts because mind control came back and, and, and beat him. Um, and of course, Santana, you know, the, the jockey was the was uh, getting most of the, the scorn directed at him. And I, I understand if you bet the horse. I mean, I get it. You know, like you think you got it in the bag and then all of a sudden you don't. But I mean, I really believe that the horse was trying to pull himself up. Yeah, it definitely. I mean, you know, people he, say he stopped riding Barry, but when you watch the no, down, his no. left hand never stopped. He he was showing that horse to whip the the entire last eighth of a mile. No, it, it had nothing to do with the jock. I mean, like you said, once you saw the head on, you could tell. I mean, even on the on the pan shot, he was. You could tell the horse was was getting in on him. And then yeah, he, he, he looked down. like he, he, he stopped. He just you could see it physically, like the horse just kind of threw his head up a little bit and kind of just 
slow down. You know, I try to tell people that jockeys get way too much credit when they win. They get way too much blame when they lose. Not all the time. Sometimes they ride great. Sometimes they ride terrible. I mean, it, it's it's certainly true. But you can't make a horse decelerate like that. You just can't. You know, it's not like he was pulling the horse up. He didn't stand up in the irons. He just was trying to get him, you know, straightened out. And I mean, it happens. Ferdinand used to do that. Ferdinand would pull himself up. I remember Shoemaker used to say he had to time his, his run because if he made the lead too too quick, he'd, he'd wait on the other horses. And, you know, when you're waiting at that point in the race and the other horse has momentum, sometimes, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll get you. Um, and I've got to be honest, I haven't seen enough of Silver State's races. I went back and I saw a couple of them. And, I mean, it's it's not like, he doesn't look like he, he like does he's done that before, but I don't know. That would have been a perfect question to ask the jockey after the race instead of talking to John Velasquez about the, you know <laughs> riding the winner because you know he won. It would have been the, the story was the four to five horse that had the lead that pulled up. That's the story. That's the story. You know, that's the story. That's what I want to know at least coming out of that race. And I bet the winner. I bet the horse that won the race. I did. I bet mind control. So didn't do me any good, but did me pretty decent. But I, um, I really, I, I mean, I think the story coming out of that race is Silver Cert. You know, the Silver State is, 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 you know, why did he pull himself up? Yeah. Why did the Met Mile winner pull himself up? And, uh, you know, is that <laughs> going to happen again? Or is, has that happened before? Or is, I don't know. And I mean, listen, sometimes we're going to get answers that are not 100% true <laughs> too. It's, it's not like we're not putting uh we're not going to put them on uh in, in the in the stand, right? I mean, <laughs> the people's court. <laughs> yeah. We're not going to put the uh lie detector on them. But um I I would really like to know. I think I think it's important because the horse is going to be one of the contenders. I'm Assuming he's going to go on to the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile, um, I know that uh, Mind Control Todd said he was going to talk with. Uh, yeah, he doesn't want to run into his other the Red Oak guys to figure out what they're going to do, but I, I don't see any other logical spot because six rooms. I don't know. If, no, that's not his. That's... I don't know if he wants to cut back to six rooms with him. I don't know. It's a good question. And I, yeah, yeah, but then, I mean, then you have to go against yourself <laughs> and life is good. And yeah, then, but you got to pick your poison. You know, you got right. Jackie's Warrior on one side or you got life is good on the other side. Yeah, you, so, not good enough. Maybe going to undercard race. <laughs> it's, it's it's one of those, right, it's... it's uh, I mean, on his best, he's he's a good horse. He's probably good enough to win it on his best if he runs his best race and he gets the the, the bright trip. Well, I tell you what, um, uh, mind control has been the most consistent he's been in since he's been in training since he switched barns to uh, Pletcher. Yeah. Before he was kind of in and out, like he'd run a really good race and be like, "Man, this horse is pretty good," and then just not show up. 
<laughs> just not not do anything. He was kind of a mystery for a while, but now he seems to, to kind of have a little well, bit. Even his last race, though, you know, the race in Saratoga where he ran very well, where Yao Pan got bit. <laughs> oh, right, he was kind of, so, yeah, I mean, that race he, he was. He kind of, you know, he didn't really fire in the structure. No, I, I thought that nothing. was, you know. He was nowhere. No, he kind of just ran flat, but he does that sometimes. He just, uh, he's one of those horses that just kind of hangs around, you know. And and in a race like the Breeders' Cup Mile, which life is good, is going to be a prohibitive favorite in that race. Um, and if no one runs with life is good, I, which I, I don't know what the perspective field is even looking like. Um, they're talking about the horse of Asmussen's, the it's three for three, Liam, um, the Liam horse. He's supposed to run in the Act Act, which is a which is a one turn race at Churchill on the third of October. So that'd be this weekend. Yeah. Um. And he has been on the lead in all of his races. So I don't know if if depending on how he you know runs and comes out of it, assuming he wins, do they go to the Breeders' Cup Mile try him two turns against Life Is Good? I don't know. I mean, that's a lot to ask. It, it this this dirt mile is kind of shaping up like almost like it did when um, when Liam's map won it at Keeneland. It was just really there was nobody in the race. He was a standout, and he won kind of like it. I mean, he got in a little bit of trouble. Harvey got him into trouble, but he still won. He beat Lee, I believe. Um. You know, it was just one of those uninspiring, kind of boring races where, where you know, like, if anybody can run with the favorite, which none of them can, it's just a walk in the park. I mean, at this point, uh, at Horse Racing Nation, I'm going to give them some props. Uh, they've got uh, six horses as possibles for the Breeders' Cup mile. Uh, Life is good by my standards, Silver State, Mind Control, Ginobili, and Khartoum. Uh, a horse, uh, probably a horse that's, you know, Brian's trying on the dirt for whatever reason. Um, but the one thing that sticks out about that is uh, that group there is that there's not a whole lot of speed in there outside of. Life is good, and um, that is the X factor that the Asmussen three-year-old, the undefeated horse, could add to that race in that he is so far shown just to to be a a really fast horse. I don't know that he needs the lead, but, I mean, sure is fast, so I I don't (laughs) Uh, it's it's. Uh, I guess we got to wait till after that race and and see who comes out of that race uh, as a possible because as of now I just don't you know I'm trying to think of who else might um, opt you know opt into that uh, the dirt mile. Yeah, there's slim pickings, man. <laughs> I don't know, you know. I mean, certainly nobody, I mean, life is good, just towered over the field 
in the Kelso. So certainly no one from that race um, is going to uh, is going to be be, be headed out west. Uh, I mean, the ACAC only has five or six, you know, possible listed Mister. Uh, Mr. Dumas, uh, you know, huh. uh, Rushy. I mean, just think about that. I mean, Aloha West, but uh, you know, Aloha's West, that's Wayne Catalano's horse. Yeah. He's a nice horse, but he also looks like a one turn horse. Right. It's just like Rushy, just a one turn miler type. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it just. You know, without even looking at PPs or anything, you just think rushy or life is good. <laughs> you know, it's it, it's it's a it's kind of a no brainer there. Bolium, that's the horse's name. Bolium. He'd have to he'd have to get somebody to run head and head with with life is good, and I don't think anybody that's going to show up in that race can. No, I mean life is good. I ran Jackie's Warrior. Oh, yeah, we're in a Most of that easy. race. <laughs> he, he he ran right to the lead in that race. Um, you know, so it, it'll 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 be interesting. It'll be interesting to see, you know, who comes. I mean, I'm sure they'll have they'll have ten in there. Um, maybe some of them California horses. I I, I don't know. I really don't know because the California horses aren't real. They're not this strong. Year. Not at that distance. No. And the better horses from the East Coast seem like they're going to be more mile and a quarter types too. So, so it'll it'll be interesting to see. I mean, Jackie's Warrior basically had a. Uh... Remember when you're a kid and you're in school and like you went on a field trip, right? <laughs> it was like going to school, but you really wasn't. You, know? yeah. you didn't have to study or do anything. That that was kind of like Jackie's Warriors, but Gallant Bob went. <laughs> Yeah, I'm here. Might as well do yeah. something. Yeah, I have like 44 and change, but like he never really like extended and not even close. I like, mean, he, he kind of hustled him a little out of the gate to make sure he got position, and, and then I was like, he just was a statue on him. No, listen, that horse wants to run. He's gonna run fast. He was. It's not like he's gonna go much faster if you get after him but still it, it was it was really a nice easy spot after that war he had with with life is good in saratoga so i mean both of them came back both of them looked good both of them should have looked good they were overwhelmingly you know more talented than the rest of the courses they were facing and they both had the advantage of being on the lead so well this is you know i guess this whole conundrum with the mile you know, gets me to to make my plea once again for the British Cup to come back to to Belmont. Yeah, the or Breeders' the- Cup Dirt Mile is a different race at Belmont and at Churchill than it is at San anywhere Anita else. Kino. It's just a different race. It's you know, or Delmar as well. I mean, it's right. a two turn race versus a one turn race. Yeah. I mean, even look at look at Jackie's Warrior, right? Uh, I'm not saying that he would, would choose this because I'm sure that he would have chosen the sprint in either either way. But if the race is at Belmont or if it's at um, Churchill, the one turn mile. I mean, he he won the the Pat Day mile, he, 
poor uh, what's his name? He, he crushed that horse's field. <laughs> dream shake. Dream shake. Dream shakes and therapy, man. <laughs> so fast, man. That was that was it for him. Um but uh yeah, I mean he, he would actually be a viable contender in a in a in a two turn in a one turn race, but two turns I mean his two turn races both were not very good, so and I honestly thought that he, he might be okay with going two turns. I really did. I thought he might be okay. I thought he might be one of those horses, hey, he can go out, you know, get a three or four length uncontested lead, Jock can just sit on him and he can hold on, but he, he just did whatever reason it didn't it didn't suit him and I mean they did the right thing cutting him back into one turn races and he's been great. Yeah, I, I I'd like to see Belmont get the uh the nod for the Breeders' Cup once again, but I don't think oh, that's the want it. I don't know that. I don't know that they want it. You know, the tracks don't make a whole lot of money on Breeders' Cup weekend. Most of the money goes to the Breeders' Cup, to, obviously, to keep the Breeders' Cup. They don't have any other races. You know, that's that's their that's their event. Um, or put it this way, they they make a whole lot less money. Um, than if they were holding their own Super Saturday or whatever. True. But, um, I mean, the Naira situation, I know that the political situation was a problem for a while, and that's seemingly over at this point. Um, I don't know. It's a good question. I, I don't think that we would get a straight answer from anybody. Of course. <laughs> on that. No. <laughs> They actually do want it again, or whether the Breeders' Cup is wanting to go there, or or whatever. But uh, but it would be nice to have it there again. I mean, that was part of the original premise of the Breeders' Cup was to travel throughout the country and 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 show off the best horses. And certainly, the New York Circuit uh, is where a great deal of the best horses reside, and where a great deal of the biggest racing fans live, and uh, I think it would be. I think it would be beneficial if it was there. I still like the Hialeah idea, though. Oh man, yeah. I, I'm. I, you know, I'd. I'd like it at Gulfstream if if they didn't downsize the grandstand so much. But there's there's just not enough room, and it and the sight lines are horrible. It's not a good place to watch a race. No, it's it's just too small. Yeah, it's just too little. There's just not enough accommodations. When you think about how many races there are, and you think about these days, how many owners um, each horse has. Some horses have ten owners. I was going to say, talking, like, I'm not talking about like the the uh, the partnership deals. Some of them literally have ten <clears throat> different separate owners. So just the ownership contingent would have been more than the the amount that was allowed <laughs> at the Pegasus. So I mean, there's just not enough. There's there's just nowhere to put everybody. But but um, but Hialeah is still there. <laughs> Man, that would be like Christmas miracle. It's one of those ideas that's probably never going to happen. But like, you just kind of hold out hope because it would be like about. As awesome as you could imagine. Could you imagine? Uh, it would opening be highly a back. Oh my up, god! It would be phenomenal. Just a weekend. 
Again, well, I guess we better root for what's his name, Mind Control, to win like 14 races in a row. <laughs> that's the, the highly of people. That's the peeps. So, um, we haven't talked one word about the the big race. The big race. Hot Rod Charlie, Flavian Pratt, making things interesting again. <laughs> Man. Gotta stay away from everybody, Hot Rod. Uh, I'm hearing that Midnight is uh, Midnight Bourbon is done for the year. Maybe the Clark, but other you know, no Breeders' Cup, and that would make sense to me. Yeah, that actually makes sense as long as they bring them back. Don't want this. Uh, we'll run in the Clark, and then we'll we'll make our plans because he he'd actually be a good horse for for the Pegasus. Yeah, well, I mean, who's going to be left? We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody knows. You go back to back. These, these years, we don't know. You know, we don't know. We just don't know. So Get Nick's go to go back to back. Let's go, baby. The one thing about Midnight Bourbon, you know, going with the stud is that he hasn't actually won any races. So that kind of helps keep him in training. I'm, right. I'm sure they, they, there's been no word that he wouldn't be, you know, he would come back and train unless he was to be injured. But, uh, the one thing about Midnight Bourbon, though, there, there's one thing about me, about him that bothers me, and that's the, he does not pass horses. No, he's never passed a horse in his entire life, and his so only win is on the lead. And he's fast, but he's not real fast. And that's always going to be his. I think might be his Achilles' heel until he learns to be able to sit and rate and and and, and make a run. Maybe he can, maybe he can't, but. He hasn't shown he can do it yet, and maybe getting you know a little bit more maturity. I mean, he's got plenty of experience now. I remember. I remember back in in college, uh, we were playing Nova Southeastern down down in Miami, and uh, the scouting report. One of our our assistant coaches, this guy. I mean, you wouldn't you wouldn't believe his name if I told you. Name was Dick Sizer. <laughs> My word, the guy—he's a phenomenal human being, just the the best all-around guy. But he used to do the scouting reports, so he, he'd come down before we get down here and watch the teams. And and I remember he had, they had this point guard who was pretty good, and uh, <laughs> his scouting report said he is quick but not fast. So that's Midnight Bourbon. Needless to say, the guy lit us up for 30 in the first half. But, you know, that's another story for another time. <laughs> guy was super fast and super quick. <laughs> there was, a, there was a, uh, a little bit of a Twitter thread today about sprinters. Um, it kind of started out who was the best female sprinter. And then, and I know where, I know where Swift was going with that. He, he wanted to he wanted to, to give Gamine props, like, like like props, but like a yeah backhanded a, compliment. Like, yeah, like sideways props, right? But um, and then it got on to sprinters, and and uh, I have a theory <laughs> because the sprinters <laughs> oh. have really sucked, and I know last season's had a lot of good ones, but one of the reasons I think they look better than they might actually be is. 
competition is right? well hear me out on this there's so many stake races now right there's so many compared to the amount of horses that, that are out there there's way more stakes way more graded stakes than there should be i mean let's just call it what it is there, there's way too many graded stakes for the, the the horse population we have and breeding itself has has lended uh, more to, to itself to speed, right? It's more speed orientated than stamina. We don't see a lot of stamina in in classic American pedigrees like we used to. And, um, you know, whether it's good, whether it's bad, whatever. It is what it is. And you're not seeing horses that are bred to go a mile and a quarter or further on the dirt at all, hardly. But those races are still being run. And horses like Nick's go, like he's really not a mile and a quarter horse. And he's barely a mile and an eighth horse. And they just, they're faster than everybody else. And they just run them into the ground. And I think that there's a lot of sprinters that have stretched out and been able to stretch out the middle distances and even wind up, if they stay in training long enough, make it to a mile and an eighth, especially if they use their speed. And especially considering that in a lot of these big races, the jockeys just are are terrified of of, of, of using too much too early. Um, therefore, I think that there's horses that in the old days probably would have been more geared to stay sprinters that have stretched out with some varying levels of success and become, you know... Um, become you know decent horses looking for bigger purses around two turns and i have no like documentation it's just kind of uh i mean the the breeders cup sprint has been soft the last few years i mean really really soft and that's the one area where we don't get any help from from overseas I mean, last year the Japanese horse that shipped in that nobody knew anything about. That on the lead, right? The gun to the lead, and then just came to a walk. Um, there just isn't. I mean, there's a ton of sprinting done at a high level in um, in Hong Kong and and in Australia, but those horses never come for the Breeders' Cup, and then they would probably wind up on the turf anyway. So. Um, uh, the Breeders' Cup sprints are just basically American events. I mean, we don't see. We used to see some Europeans, and Shake Al would do one. But I only yeah, I think that was the year, worst. How, Housebuster was. broke down in that race. I think Housebuster, if he hadn't broke down, would have won. That yeah, race. but we don't see very many Europeans take any shots uh, that they used to. And but in Dejure, Dejure was one of them. Dejure, yes, he would have won if he had jumped the shot. shot roll. Yeah. <laughs> but um. I mean, the the addition of the turf sprints kind of really took anything. And it wasn't like the Europeans were really doing much anyways. But uh, And it's not like they come over and win many or they even they don't even compete hardly in our dirt races anymore. Maybe yeah. Aiden O'Brien will take a shot. So for the most part, they don't even try. It was another one. Wasn't Lear Fan? Didn't he run in the sprint? No, nah, Lear Fan ran in a mile. Ran the mile. Yeah. Why did I think he ran? I think he ran the mile in the first. I think it might have been the first. Uh, the first Breeders' Cup. Maybe it was the second one. 
at Aqueduct? I'm 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 thinking it was yeah maybe you're right maybe it's at Aqueduct. But I think that there's horses that, that in, in the past would have would have stayed sprinting that have stretched out because that's where all the money is. I mean, you look at some of these races. I mean, the Charleston race, $800,000. <laughs> nice. look, look at the three-year-old races. There's a million of them. I mean, King Fury won another, uh, you know, they, they created another three-year-old race. And he ran well, and I can't say that anyone else in the race did. No, no one else picked up their feet at all. But, and I'm sure they'll be lobbying to make that a grade three at some point. And the fact is, we don't need more stake races. We need less stake races, not more. Just because your horse runs in a stake doesn't mean they're a stake horse. But, um, but, but you know what? To go back to the, the, the Hot Rod Charlie ran ran really well, and he's a really good horse, and. He's uh, you know, he's he's tough that horse. He, he he digs in, and he's he's a pretty good horse, and he's gotten better. Yeah. You know, the one question I have because everyone's kind of conceding the lead to Nick's go, which I'm sure he will have the lead. I don't know. I don't know about that. He'll have the lead. Who's gonna have? Who's gonna not? Who's gonna? Who's gonna challenge him on the lead? If someone doesn't put a rabbit in there. Yeah, I guess, I suppose, but I don't know. I I mean, there's always distance questions with, with Nick's go anyway, um, which you kind of alluded to yourself just now. You know, he was just faster and kind of just ran them off their feet and they couldn't catch him. <laughs> well, that, that's my question about him going a mile and a quarter. Right. Because yeah. he's gone a mile and an eighth and he can do it, but can he get the mile and a quarter? And for some reason, the there seems to be a difference between the mile and a quarter and a mile and an eighth. Um, and when you consider that, uh, that his trainer might have, you know, the horse who, who would probably be the current favorite as horse of the year, right? I mean, essential quality wouldn't, would he be considered a favorite for horse of the year at this point? Uh, yeah, I would think so. Right. I mean, he won all the races, Leading up to the Derby, he run. He won the the Belmont. He won the Travers. I, I don't. I mean, it's this is why talking about who's going to be horse of the year, who's leading in April is is folly. Because here <laughs> we are going into October, and uh, I mean, I guess Latrushka's in the running, right? Um, if Latrushka loses, Jackie's Warrior lose. Uh, I mean, couldn't Jackie's Warrior make a case if Latrushka loses? To a long shot and and Nick's go and uh, um, essential quality don't don't win. I mean, yeah, it's just chaos, <laughs> right? I mean, where, where at do you the go? last second too, like you said, you know, you couldn't have predicted this, you know, that kind of chaos back in in March or April or whenever. I mean, all the turf races are pretty much European. Maybe maybe uh, Bill Mott's distance filly on the turf, the English Channel filly. Um, God, warlike goddess. Maybe she could, she could win, and, and uh, I mean, she'll have a nice record. But a, a turf filly would be a real rarity to win horse of the year. Yeah, it's a stretch, a real stretch. And but of course, this we also had all these other horses don't win. I mean, but look at the Eclipse Award winner we had in Channel Maker. 
I mean, the horse won literally two races. <laughs> he had a, he had a good five week period. There's 52 weeks in in, in the calendar. He hit, he was good for five of them. And yet he has an Eclipse Award that sits right next to theatricals on 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 Bill Mott's uh, trophy case. I know you're not listening, Bill, but you should put theatricals ahead of Channel. Yeah, Channel Maker should get shoved to the back behind Cigar and behind all the mother fillies and the turf wars you've had. Put it in the back. Put it behind Tacitus. Kodashan was horse of the year one year, okay? So, like, it, it can happen. What do you think of the the uh, the inquiry? Which? The Hot Rod Charlie Midnight Bourbon brush. I, I wouldn't have taken them down. It was just such a a spot where you know there's no camera angle, so no, being, it, but it didn't look like anything either. Listen, I, mean, I don't like taking horses down. I, I don't. I, I would prefer we don't take horses down. But I also understand that if we allow that to happen and without penalizing the jockeys, and I, I'm sure I'm like a, it's like a broken record at this point. But you can't have you can't have one or the other. You have to have both. If you're gonna let things go, then when they get a little bit crossing the line almost, but you don't want to take the horse down. Well, the jockey still needs to be reprimanded. I thought the, the honestly, the the worst foul was probably committed by Chubwagon. Oh. And that didn't even merit <laughs> that a, horse a, is an inquiry. I thought that was coming down. <laughs> I, I don't know how they didn't put the sign up. I mean, the horse came out four or five packs. And the guy was trying to tell me it's not hurting. I said, that's like the definition of hurting. He looked right. He hit left-handed and he angled out. And I don't think I would have taken it down. I think I would have left it up. But I probably would have made the jockey would have probably been $1,000 lighter. But, you know, he just won 12000 minus whatever he pays his agent and stuff. So, but still, it, it's, it's, it's not nothing. And, and if he had done it in, in other races, because he's a regular there at at that track. Oh, they do that all the time there. I yeah, mean, they, they, yeah, and this is the problem. The, the stewards don't do anything. It's, it's worse than Naira with that there. And I don't particularly bet Parks much, but I do end up watching a lot of it um, on Mondays and Tuesdays. At some point, mark my words. Something's gonna happen. There's gonna be an incident, and everybody's gonna start saying, "What are they doing here? What are they doing here?" <clears throat> Including the jockeys. And I get like, these are competitive people. I understand they're trying to win. Like, okay, that's that's fine. But the horses aren't supposed to be used as bumper cars. <laughs> and this race riding is just—it's—it's it's just gone. People don't get race riding. This is not race riding anymore. It's beyond race riding. Right. Race riding is, is just, you know, making it a little bit uncomfortable. Maybe leaning out a little bit. What they're doing now is, is just, it's fouling. They're fouling the other horses and the stewards are letting it go. That, that's not race riding. That's, that's, that's beyond race riding. 
Reminds me. Race riding is legal. <laughs> no, like it's illegal. It's it's pushing the envelope. But now they're pushing the envelope. But they're they're in a point where if they they started taking them down and didn't really penalize anyone, we'd have five inquiries a day, right? At least. <laughs> So you got to start somewhere and you got to draw the line somewhere. You got to say from here on in, this is going to be a DQ and you're going to get a significant amount of days. If you commit more than this happens more than once. And yeah, of course can always get out or get in. And I mean, there's always issues and races and there's always, um, you know, traffic problems and stuff like that. But, I want to say the 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 time that I saw that 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 was kind of going to happen was I believe it was on Louisiana Derby Day when they took Irad down the first race, right for doing that, and then it was it was clean the rest of the day. I mean, uh, it, it just kind of sucked. The betters had to suffer there because the, you know what he did was something that I've seen him do hundreds, if not thousands, of times, right. Um, but I understood what they were trying to do. But you can't do it without a town rider. Right. That's the thing. You got it's got to be done. <clears throat> it's got to be done at home first. And and there is a, a racetrack accreditation program, and they have continuing education. And this is where it has to start. It has to start there. It's, and, and someone has to lead the charge. You know, we need to get riders to ride straight. Because the fact of the matter is <clears> that they, they use the whip in improper manner when they're trying to make their horse drift in or drift out. And again, they're trying to win. I'm not saying that, 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 that that's not... Listen, if I, if I own a horse or I bet on a horse and he's going to get passed, well, hell, I'm probably much more happy my jockey took a shot, especially the way things are adjudicated now. Because... It's almost like a flip of a coin. He says, "Ah, you know what? I'm dead, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna get out and see if I can't throw that other horse off his rhythm and, and maybe just, you know, get him in a head bob or hold on, and and then take your chance in the steward stands, right? Because that that seems like it happens a lot. And anyway, we talk about this way too much. <clears throat> what else? Uh, about the turf monster." <laughs> the only monster there was the turf course itself. The winner. Oh man, the turf was horrible. I think uh, I saw somebody when I, lived, when I lived in Louisville, I lived on I lived on a golf course, right? So I lived in Audubon Park. It's a nice little enclave, like right by the Audubon Country Club, and um, <clears throat> and I had the smallest house, by the way. I'm not like brag, but it was a really nice neighborhood, and everybody took care of their lawn degree except for one person. <laughs> Parks. So every year I would uh I would go to Saratoga. So I'd be gone for like two months, right? <laughs> and I would come back and my lawn would be like <laughs> up to your knees. It, it, it looked it looked like the desert <laughs> and like it was uh <laughs> everybody everybody else's lawn in the neighborhood was like it, it looked like a, a, a it's like a bear, like Augusta National Greens <laughs> in the front yard. <laughs> then there was my house. <laughs> uh, in parks, 
Parks turf reminds me of, of how my house looked. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm used to looking at, at uh, chewed up turf courses being in South Florida. Oh, man. You see a lot of uh, chewed up turf courses. I mean, even at, at the end of Calder, it would look great the first like two weeks and then it would be and it would just fall apart. And uh, I mean, Gulfstream, you know, we don't have to say any more about Gulfstream's turf. The running joke, the painted, the painted turf, <sighs> painted dirt. Well, yeah, I, di- I didn't, I didn't, uh, unfortunately, have that ninety-nine to one shot. Actually, it was what a hundred and eight to one, right? Something like that. Yeah, some hundred six hundred. Yeah, I had him on a pick three as an all burger. But um, he he wasn't even on my radar. I couldn't even get live. No, I mean, well, I'm all right. I just used all just because I was the Jackie's Warrior was the next leg, and I figured, well, <laughs> if we can get some chaos in this race, but I couldn't hit the race before, so so whatever. No more parts. Yeah, I'm I, I I'm okay with that. <laughs> Although I didn't have a bad day, considering. Well, when does uh, Keeneland start? Not this weekend, right? Next weekend. Not this coming weekend, the weekend after. And then it's BC time. We're going to get JB back on the on the mic. We gotta get JB back. He's been he's been radio silent lately. I don't know where this guy is, man. Just finding all those Connors winning all these races, and JB is MIA. Maybe he went to Mobile. He might be up there. Play some harness. We got the uh, the Breeders' Crown coming up, and oh, the double header. <laughs> I feel bad for the. I feel bad for them because they really kind of got the shaft. Though uh, honestly, it works out better for me. <laughs> like having races at noon is like way better for me. But um, oh hell yeah, um, I, I, there's a good chance I'll be attending one of those days. Okay, but De- um, I will not be attending the night thoroughbred racing. Oh what? I know we're gonna boycott that for. Are those are those no whip races too? Yeah, oh yeah. yeah. State rule. Uh, Atlantic City came back from the dead. They couldn't use whip either. Atlantic City. I still love playing the early double there. Remember double. when I was in college? <laughs> in the summertime, if, if I was having a particularly degenerate moment in August... At night, I would go bed Atlantic City because <laughs> they had the they were racing. They used to race the short summer meet in, at night. Yeah, mm-hmm. used to be a big meet Atlantic City at one point. I don't recall it as ever being a big meet. I mean, I remember they ran the the, the United Nations there. Did they? I didn't yeah. know. The UN that that that's where it was where it started before Monmouth. Huh. 
Yeah, I remember the year that um, the Belmont jocks were all coming over and they were taking a helicopter and they rode the early part of the car <clears> to <throat> Belmont and they were, were, <laughs> were getting in a helicopter and then there was like some some one of those thunderstorms that, that kind of pops up in the summertime and the helicopters all kind of get grounded. <laughs> Can't go nowhere. Yeah, my man Tyrone Carter was on the lead in the $500,000 oh. race. Because he had the pickup mount from Jerry Bailey and all the local guys. And, and you know, back then, Atlantic City was was a C-level meet at, at best. I mean, they were running a lot of cheap, cheap races. So you didn't have a whole lot of famous jockeys there. Um, I think a couple of the out-of-town horses might have had their rider because they had gone straight there. They hadn't, you know, been riding at Belmont, but... I can't remember what year it was, but I'm pretty sure it was in the 90s, early 90s. Yeah, I mean, because the Atlantic City, the big casinos used to promote it. and It was like a big deal. People forget, like, Atlantic City was like a big deal in the 80s and 90s. Oh, my God, it was huge, huge deal. I mean, it's like dead now. It's like totally dead. But uh, Yeah, because there's casinos everywhere. <laughs> yeah, it's literally just wasn't a, there wasn't a need to have to go there. I mean, it was too many shady parts of the city, and that never got, you know, never n- no money ever flowed there. That should make my socialist friends happy that wanted to argue with me today. The Taj, but um, remember the Taj? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was kind of a destination. I mean, people yeah. that want to go to to Vegas, they go to Jersey. I remember, man. The, the the buses. It was like an army of buses used to come from Philadelphia and New York City to Atlantic City driving down the parkway. I mean, hundreds of them a day. In and out, in and out, in and out. Now it's, it's dead. Well, when, when when I used to live in Massachusetts, my mother used to take a bus to, to Foxwoods from... Uh, the the stop was the Chinese restaurant near our house. Twenty five bucks they give her like a lunch and something to eat on the way back on the on the on the bus, and she'd play all day and get back on the bus. <laughs> One time she missed it, my dad had to drive down there to get her. <laughs> <laughs> so great. <laughs> People don't understand the lengths that we used to have to take as horse players. To bet, like it's oh, the fun. Just remember the, the funding, the the call in betting, just to fund oh. it was a pain. In the ass. I mean, I remember, um, <laughs> I remember on, on some degenerate Sundays, like on Palm Sunday, we drive to Garden State because <laughs> there was no OTBs and there's no racing in New York, and it's like. Oh. There's some good cars. <laughs> We'd drive all the way to Garden State to, to make play, to bet. To, to bet. Yeah. I remember my first, uh, my account with TVG had to go to Suffolk Downs to, to put money in it. When I was at Arizona, we used to drive, when, you know, I was in Tucson, we, we would drive south across the border to Nogales. And there was an OTB about three blocks, four blocks on the other side of the border. It was a hotel and they had an old style book. They actually had the the horses' numbers, the names and numbers written in chalk, huh. giant chalk boards, and 
they would hijack the signals and sometimes the signal you know would get cut off and we tell we didn't know who the hell won there was no phones there was no computers we had to wait till the, <laughs> the signal came back the best part is the the results line you should call the results line and then they you know like after a while it would just be like you know a recording with somebody saying the the results and then they added the stretch calls yeah <laughs> i used to remember seeing that number in the back of the program you keep hitting hitting you know again you repeat we're, we're, uh... <laughs> right you had the had the list the two digit numbers of the tracks <laughs> Yeah, I, when, I, when I worked at Yonkers, that was one of my side hustles. We would uh, we would get the the stretch call from from Bob Meyer on a cassette. We had a cassette, and it was tied into this phone, and we would play it, and we'd send it the stretch call, and we would, then we would read the uh, the results. <laughs> and I think we got like ten bucks a night to do that. Damn, that was a lot of money. <sighs> Yeah, well, they were charging like 90, 99 cents a quarter. Yeah, yeah, it was like a buck. Man, the lengths that we used to go to to try to find or see races, too. Man, I, I, I remember when my, my grandfather took me to OTB for the first time. I was, it like boggled my mind they didn't show races. I was like, what? I remember I had a horse in at Hialeah. And I was at, I was in Kentucky, and I think it was Easter Sunday. So, like, nothing's open in Kentucky on Easter Sunday. No tracks, no simulcasting, no nothing. And I remember my friend saying, there's an OTB in Indiana that takes Hialeah. <laughs> and we drove all the way up there. <laughs> and the damn place was closed. We didn't think about, like, calling there and see if they're open. I mean, there's uh, some cell phones. open. No cell phones. No, no, no cell phones. No. <laughs> I think we might have even had cell phones. No cell phones then. Man, the... <laughs> yeah, uh, that was uh, that was that was the old day. I remember Crawler used to run on Christmas Day. There was no days off back then. Santa Anita used to run on Christmas Day too. Only reason I know the the Calder thing is when my wife worked at Highlight. Uh, it was a big day, Calder. Christmas Day, Calder. Yeah, she ended up working on on a Christmas Day, I believe, and I went with her and just hung out and played Calder. And I think Louis Size was still there, and he was winning everything at that point. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the game the game certainly has changed quite a bit. And it wasn't that long ago. Like when when she was working at the Highlight, you know, this was 2012, 2000. You know, my daughter was born in 2013, yeah. so basically, like you know, 2011, 2012. And it's changed so much since then. I mean, I remember when when um, Gulfstream moved to the beginning of December instead of January. That was like a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you talk about like uh, things that have changed. We uh, we opened up the show talking kind of without saying it about Monmouth. Mm. And they released today, they released their um, 
They're handle figures. <laughs> and the handle was down pretty significantly at Mammoth this year. Now, not the total number. The overall number was blipped up a little bit. But that's because they ran 11 extra days. Um, and, you know, if you think about they ran, I don't recall, <laughs> last year. But I think they ran the six race cards the whole time on Fridays, right? They didn't ever go to a full card on Fridays. No, I don't think they ever ran a full And Mammoth this year did do that. They went to a full card. Um, and they, listen, they, they have, they, they had days they canceled last year, so they probably had more purse money going into this meet than they had. Plus, they have sports betting. So, you know, sports betting makes a lot of money in the off season. I'm sure they don't make quite as much in the summertime, but uh, I mean, this this time of year, you know, between the the fall and the winter, uh, I'm sure that they're they're doing quite well. But Mammoth's um, handle was down about six hundred fifty thousand on day, according to their numbers. Their numbers, not our numbers. Their numbers, which which is which is a pretty significant amount of money. About 17% they were down. And when you consider that most everywhere else is up slightly or, or more than slightly, and they're down 17%, that's a lot. That's a lot. And that's with full-on track crowds. It, it was kind of amazing to me that Monmouth only did $15 million on track. just seemed like a, 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 an amazingly low number. Yeah, I, I I wouldn't expect it much more than that, though. Given the, you know, the context of everything that was going on. But in the end, it looks like the people who said that, that they wouldn't play didn't. And because the computer betters are not going to not play because of any stance on management other than raising their rates. That's the only stance that management's going to make that's going to stop the computers from playing. They're going to play because they're just algorithms and they're just looking for an edge somewhere. So they don't care if, if the jockeys carry, um, you know, nightclubs or if they, if they, if they ride without pants, they don't care. It doesn't matter for them. It's not about, it's just a numbers game. So I, I think that, and again, this is just a guess, but I, I think quite a bit of that loss was was from real real players, real people. Had to be. A lot of people said that they wouldn't play, and, and I'm on, honestly, the races weren't that playable. They weren't that playable. So I don't know what uh, I don't I don't have any uh, great wisdom about that because the fact of the matter is, again, and and listen. We've blasted Mammoth plenty. We've blasted Drazen. We've blasted the stewards <laughs> almost weekly. But we ran out of bullets. The fact was that that rule was not their idea. That was not their idea. That, that was forced upon them by the wildly incompetent New Jersey Racing Commission, which still is five members short. I don't know what the problem is. I don't understand for the life of me how a... a uh, a regulatory board can just have five members not be on it just be on me how that can 
that, that they can't find people? I, I just don't know. No, they just do what they want. <laughs> it's like, whatever. You and know. the governor shows up to Mammoth, or excuse me, to the Meadowlands, and, and I mean, he acts like this horse racing guy. And I just don't see why he doesn't fill that board and at least put some racing people on there so that we can get some common sense, um, you know, back. Because that being off $650,000 is a lot in this day and age. That's a lot. It's a lot when everybody else is up. So, I don't know. I, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, had the HISA law come into effect, the WHIP is one of the areas that they seem to have decided that they were going to probably create a national rule on, which would be perfect, and because that's what we need, a national rule. Um. But that doesn't, I don't have a lot of faith that that's going to happen by, by next year. No way. They got, they got to establish themselves first. They don't even know what they're doing yet. And, and the other thing is, I don't know how the whole HISA is going to be implemented. I, I don't know that, um, I don't have nearly enough knowledge in the governmental regulation. I don't think I don't think anybody does. I mean, so what I, I don't know that, you know, when it, there's an existing state rule, if, if a <clears throat> federal rule is made, if it has to be formally adopted. Or right. Like approved or HISA. Or I, I don't know. Or I, I just don't know because HISA is not covering everything. They're only covering certain areas. Um, so, you know, the, the rules of racing that the New Jersey Racing Commission puts out covers licensing, covers all kinds of different things. Um, so I don't know how that's going to work. And, you know, I, I don't know that any of us are going to get any answers from them in any time in, in the, in the near future. So I just hope that they realize that the rule that they put in was too extreme. It was too hard to enforce because it just got to be ridiculous and I'm not going to say that guys started riding with buzzers there because there was no whips. There was probably guys riding with buzzers without that. And I'm not condoning it. I think that they, they should, track should try to catch them, but no one ever tries. Or that when they do try, it, it's, it's half-hearted because they don't want the quote-unquote bad publicity. That's a true story. In a lot of ways, tracks live so far in the past that they don't understand that getting tough on crime, <laughs> getting <laughs> tough on the questionable people, catching people doing things creates consumer confidence, not the other way. Because the way it is now, people are assuming things are crooked, even if they may not be. But nothing ever happens and nothing ever changes. Therefore, how can you change people's perceptions without actually going out and doing something? I mean, it's it's just the way it is, but um, but certainly that not having whips negatively impacted Mom's finances. No matter how it's spun, it did, and that's 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 not that surprising. I'm not, I'm not surprised at all. Is anyone surprised? 
No, I mean we we knew this when when this whole thing went down before it even <laughs> the meet started. It was just a matter of how bad it was going to be. <laughs> right, seventeen percent is is a lot. It's a lot, it, and it's a lot in New Jersey. It's a lot in New Jersey. Not because there hasn't. Well, you know, everybody's playing. has been trending down in New Jersey. It's not that. That's not it. Right. It's when you look at sports betting and the explosion is in New Jersey is is I mean they do what eleven or twelve billion dollars there <laughs> last year. Worst place to have have that happen because they have alternatives. You know they have they have the sports betting, so it's not like you know. Monmouth or the Meadowlands or any any other track in the state has any kind of exclusivity to the whole thing, you know, like they used to. Now, with with all the other stuff, it's not like gambling was down in the state. It was probably up. Hand over fist, up. Probably up three times that 17%, but over into the the sports betting arena. It's just like, well, you know... It's just bad timing, just a bad decision, and and it, there's going to be you know that that ripple effect unless something changes. But yeah. that seems like it's it's going to happen. Well, I, I think, and this is something that's probably not on the mind <clears throat> of most people, but it's something that, well, I'm not should because I mean, what can you do? But sports betting is a bigger deal because people who are inclined to bet races are more inclined to bet sports and vice versa than slot players. Slot players are, are they just push buttons. They just push buttons. Um, one of the big issues that Kronk talked about the last time I had him on, when we had all the audio problems, was that racing <clears throat> needs to be on the same for, uh, on the same platform as sports betting. That it's going to be difficult to maintain or to, to make any gains beyond what we make. Cause the truth is we don't know what gains we're really making. Cause the fact of the matter is the computer money is really not a huge, doesn't have a great effect in this business because the, the it's priced so low that it, it's just the, the trickle down is, is minute. So if we're not, if you have to have two separate accounts, which is crazy. Common sense wise, it's nuts, right? It's nuts that <laughs> you would have to have two separate accounts. But uh, in New York, currently, the way the law was written and the law was written specifically, and, and they're going to tell you, well, because we didn't want to jeopardize the paramutual part of the law, blah, blah, blah. They're writing a new law. Just write an addendum to it. Right. Change it. <laughs> but they don't want it on there because the other, just the, the big, DraftKings and the people, for the most part, they don't care about horse racing. Right, that's, they, that's a Naira Fox bets thing, right? So they're not really all that into it. They they don't care about it. They'd rather have it off. It's competition. They want you betting their stuff, their sports. Because guess what? You're not going to win in sports. But that's a problem, and and it's. Everything is moving so fast. I mean, there was like eight states in the last two months that have passed sports betting. Dude, I get I get letters pretty much every other day from FanDuel, DraftKings, sign to have me sign a petition. <laughs> they yeah, uh, actually, Danny Wallach reported there's another lawsuit 
uh, filed in uh, Washington, D.C. by paramutual holders in the state of Florida against the compact. The compact is, I I hate to say this, but I think it's, I think Daniel's right. And I think it's dead. It it sounds like it is. It's dead. It doesn't mean there's not going to be sports betting. No, they're just going to have to put a different way. There's going to be sports betting at one facility. Right. (laughs) With no, uh, doesn't seem like any other, um, any any internet wagering or right, phone no wagering option, which is so stupid. Which is just a big screw up on the part of the the Seminoles and the government because this is their baby, and they they ignored the the reality of. I mean, listen, Wallach is pretty sharp, but I mean, he he wasn't exactly like uncovering case law that no one's heard about in 150 years. I mean, this was. A Supreme Court justice herself judged, uh, you know, ruled on on a, on a similar case like two years ago. So this is not like something that that should have been missed. And they apparently just, I'm not sure what the reasoning was because it's beyond my comprehension and my, uh, you know, <laughs> I don't have any legal practice. Um, uh, uh, the only the only legal stuff I know is from what the lawyers I know tell me. Um, but. You know, when Walt when I was on our podcast and he explained it like A, B, C, D, E, and he says, this is what you have to have. And this is the problem here, here and here. And he, and he said, right. he goes, I Never. don't see any other way around it. He goes, I'm not sure um, unless there's going to be a, fed, a, a federal change, a, a change of a federal law that we don't know is coming. Um, this is, thing is going to be um, don't, you know, dead. <laughs> yeah. They're going to have to redo it because the only thing that that was that seems like it is legal. It's legal to have sports wagering. It can be it can be legalized on tribal lands. So I uh, don't know what that means, but you know we were thinking. Um, you know, we were told somewhere in October there was a possible debut and it just doesn't look like it's going to happen. No, I don't think. The way they're pressing me hard, like I get emails every other day and letters in the mail. So. And let, let, I mean, let me just say this. The reason that it's so screwed up was because they wanted to make the Seminoles the exclusive, exclusive right. distributor a distributor of sports betting in, in the state, which is not, I don't know that any other major states done that. Um, so it, it's, it's a long, kind of a complicated conversation, but the fact of the matter is that they yeah, just kind pretty... of excluded everybody else right. so that they could do it this way so that they could, they were getting favorable treatment. And, yeah. and yes, the Seminoles do, did agree to write a $600 million a year check to the state of florida but the fact of the matter is florida might be a 15 billion dollar a year sports wagering correct uh state you know so it's it's i've seen estimates where the it should be worth an exclusive agreement should be worth close between one billion and a billion and a half a year not 600 million they were paying 500 million before the for before the when they 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 got mad and they they cut off the the payments to the state because they were mad because uh, they let some of the paramutuals have uh, um, games other than slots. So 
I don't know. It, it's a complicated mess, and is you know, as long as the politicians are involved, it's it's going to stay a mess. There's and we're like we said, we're talking about billions of dollars, so it's it's not going to be easily resolved because no one hey, that, that billion that that that's probably a fair deal at this point. You know, yeah, yeah. but um, yeah, I, I don't. It doesn't look good for that. At least it doesn't look good for that. Well, they're pushing. The, uh, Somebody's pushing it in in the near in the near term. So uh, maybe we'll get Wallach back on. Have a little special no, edition with him to try yeah. to update, see uh, see where everything stands. But uh, and I think there's four separate lawsuits now. <laughs> so, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, if, from a racing standpoint, sports betting in Florida really doesn't help. No, that's not good. They're not going to see any money. It's just competition. But the fact is that people in Florida are betting on sports. They're betting lots on sports now. So, so it's it's not going to. Uh, I don't. Know. I don't. I just don't see it being a big factor. Probably either way. It probably is not going to help. But I don't know how much it will hurt. I don't know. I don't know. So, anything else of, of note? No, no. I think we covered it all. We covered the weekend. The parks, parks in the spotlight. The arc is uh, Saturday or Saturday. Saturday. Yeah. Fourteen horses. Tarwana. Who? Uh, we got one of the all-time hurting in our last race. Yeah. Oh man, that was race, bro. But uh, St. Mark's Basilica has been retired, stud, so she won't have to worry about him. <laughs> she probably should tell Midnight Bourbon. <laughs> you think that's bad? You should see what this guy <laughs> did to me. So that uh, I mean, we might get a couple runners out of the Breeders' Cup, you know, or out of that race going to the Breeders' Cup. I don't really know. Hope so. I don't really know. I know uh, it's always a good race. Usually Sunday morning. Yeah. And like I said, the ACAC is this week. Churchill and I don't know. I think there's a couple of races. I'm very unprepared tonight. Yeah, it was really quiet though this this coming week. So yeah, you know the the, the, few, the few weeks before the Breeders' Cup are always quiet. Breeders' Cup, which I think is what November fifth and sixth this yes, year. Yes, sir. That is correct. So, so we're getting close. I'm ready. I told you, CZ Rocket, baby. Still on him. Well. You can die on that CZ Rocket Hill. I will because, A, he's not going to be the favorite. No, he will not be the favorite. <laughs> I, can, I can guarantee you. He's not I guarantee he's not going to be the favorite. <laughs> so that, that, that might be enough in itself. We'll see. We'll see. You know what? I'd like to see. I like to see Attack's playing on Breeders' Cup day, the day before, too. Because that Delmar track. Depending it's, on when you watch it, it's the finished. main track. 
it seems to play different. <laughs> yeah. It seems to play a little different. And and we haven't heard anything about Flightline, right? I mean, there's been nothing. It's been quiet. He's <laughs> still got ice on his on his legs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We sent to the North Pole to cool <laughs> Cool out, cool out up, up north. This from the third degree burns he had from terrible burning up the track. <laughs> Real <laughs> horseshoes is still hot. He's pretty good. He's pretty good, but uh, like I like to tell people, you've seen there's been good horses before that maybe just as good as him. He's not the greatest horse ever. Every time you think you saw the greatest horse ever, guess what? It probably isn't. <laughs> We're talking about Philly sprinters. About there was a Philly named Malaire, John Sadler. Interesting. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, she beat Snow Chief, going a mile. Snow Chief. She went three quarters, one nineteen and four. One thirty-two and change. I remember they had Super the. Fit. She only, raged, she only made five starts. She was a cowbred. <clears throat> how about that year? How, how about if you had to fade cowbreds that year? The year Snow Chief was a three-year-old and, and Malaire was a three-year-old. <laughs> you think you get in a nice, easy spot in a cowbred race? And you I remember go against one of those two. I thought, I thought, you know, I remember seeing the article in Sports Illustrated they did on Snow Chief. That's when, actually, they, they used to do... Quite a bit of racing in, in Sports Illustrated. They that did. Point. They did. As a matter of fact, they had one of the all-time bad covers in their, their <laughs> stories, pictures <laughs> of the Belmont Breeders' Cup in 1990. Oh, home. oh, my God. If they ran that picture today. Oh. Dude, the sport would be done in, in a matter of seconds. It would set tracks on fire. <laughs> But I, I thought that uh, Snow Chief was like the second coming of Secretariat. He was really good, Snow Chief. He was really good. He would win a. T- you know, he he kind of reminded me of a little bit was is uh, Nick's go, but like you know, he kind of wanted to run loose, get to the lead. But he wasn't always fast enough. He was a fast horse, but like he wasn't. He was a good horse. That was all I had to say. He was by Reflective Glory. And then those years, I call him the Jimmy the Greek years because he was on TV at that point on CBS with Brent Musburger. And it was uh, Slew of Gold was always on. Slew of Gold and then Chief's Crown. Mm-hmm. I, I used to just think they were just the best horses I've ever seen. But <laughs> Chief's Crown used to run with his head down. Yeah. And that that was the first that I, I've ever saw that, and I was like, "Wow, that's crazy!" Yeah, and he's fast. <laughs> he was a good horse, Chief Crown. He was like a good horse, you know. He, he yeah, was, he wasn't great. He always hung around. He yeah, a lot of seconds or thirds. He was a really good two-year-old. He won the Breeders' Cup. What did he win the Jockey Club Gold Cup? I think. I'm not sure. He won. A, he won an important race after that. Yeah, after the Breeders' Cup, but not like in the Derby. I think. He was like, I don't know if he went off favorite or not, but he didn't run well. He kind of no, didn't he hit the board in all three derby races. Yeah, I, I thought so. Maybe I don't know. I have to look it up. 
Uh, he he won the Travers, won the Marlboro Cup. That's that's what he won. Marlboro, Ball, the Marlboro Cup, one. and that was still uh, was still going. Yeah, Chiefs Crown's the only horse in history to lose all three Triple Crown races while being the favorite for each race. He was the favorite. Yeah. All right, he ran against Spendabuck in the Derby. Spendabuck mm-hmm. just ran him off his feet. Just ran him and then went to went to Jersey and ran yeah. the Jersey they, Derby for five million. <laughs> yeah, and then he skipped. He skipped the Preakness. He got beat ahead by Tank's prospect in the Preakness, and uh, and the Belmont Creme Fresh won. He finished third in, in, in the Belmont to uh, to Creme. Yeah, it was a Woody Stevens' victim, right? Woody Stevens at Creme Fresh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, that was a that was a crazy year. Um, a lot of good horses too. Proud Truth was a three-year-old. Proud race. Truth, yeah. <laughs> Proud Truth turned out to be like a really good stallion in Japan before Sunday Silence. He was he was kind of like the top dog over there. But uh, he won the Breeders' Cup. Yep, the class, the, the, the class. Aqueduct. Yep, he sure did. He sure did. But, um, Yeah, he was by uh, Chiefs Crowns by Danzig. Out of six crowns, couldn't really. It's kind of tough to to get better pedigree than that. He was a little horse too. That's that's another thing that kind of. Yeah, he wasn't big. Well, Danzig big. mostly weren't weren't all that big. But Northern yeah. Daniel Danzig was a Northern Dancer. Northern Dancer was was a, was amazingly small. Someone told me one time, and I don't remember who it was, that this was at his horse sale, and it's got to be long, 20 years ago. He said if Northern Dancer went to stud these days, they, he would get one chance, and he would probably go, uh, his fee would probably be a lot less than it should because people would have knocked him because he was so small. He goes, he wasn't small, he was really small. And he goes, people just wouldn't breed to him. Just crazy. Thinking his heyday, he was getting twenty five percent stake winners. Twenty five percent into mischief. Really good. He's like at nine percent. I know, and it seems like everywhere. <laughs> yeah, and and in, in the uh, in the the most uh, <laughs> I'm 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 stumbling. I'm struggling for my words here, but um, in, in the the, the least surprising greeting news of the year, Monomoy Girl is going to be bred. <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> that was about one to a thousand that she was going to into mischief. <laughs> was not a surprise. Oh, anyways. I, you know, I, I looked through the book Champions. I, I wish they would do a uh, an update, right? Update on it. It's 2004 was the last edition they did. So, 15 years. I don't even know who would do it. I guess Equibase, right? So, I won't hold my breath. Mm-hmm. Won't be holding my breath for Equibase and doing anything like that. Not, or they'll do it and they'll charge like eleven thousand dollars. But it's interesting when you look through. And honestly. One of the really tragic things that makes it difficult to discuss our sport is the lack of PP availability. Oh my God, it's so annoying. It's like one of the most annoying things that that goes on in the sport for somebody that's, you know, 
you know, once you're in it and you're a quote unquote enthusiast or horse player or whatever you want to call it, it's just, you know, it's just the lack of history that's out there and you can't get it for free. You know, if you follow the game in the last five, 10, even 15 years, and I said, I said, yeah, there was a filling in inside information and she was really great. And you'd be like, oh, well, how good can she be? I don't, I've never heard of her. And then you look at her PPs and you're like, whoa, hello. Beast. Yeah. And that's the thing is that's how we look at things like stats. That's that that's our stats. We're right. nerds. I mean, horse players are nerds to a certain degree. But that, that's and, how we look at... Right. The, you can watch a, a video of a race, okay? But if you don't know the horses in the race, it's just a video of a race. Right. And, you know, you could have lined up anything in there. I mean, you can watch some races and be like, holy crap, look at this field. And like, uh, like Honestly, the like Inside Information's Breeders' Cup, this staff, when she won by the length of the stretch... I mean, she beat Serena's song. She beat Lakeway. She beat uh, Heavenly Prize. Lord, I mean, just hor- great horses. Like two or three oh. Hall of Famers in that race. Right, she beat them by twelve. Or just look at those uh, those those grass races we were talking about at Aqueduct oh. at, at Breeders' Cup. Just look look at those fields. I wish we could, you know, see those those PPs for for any of those grass races in New York. Uh. The Aqueduct Breeders' Cup in '85, right? '85 it was. Yeah, '85. I I would love to see that. No, and, and that that's how we we compare. We look, you know, it's like baseball stats, right? You look at a guy's stats, stat line, and you can see how many at bats and runs and hits and doubles and singles and triples and. And, and strikeouts and stolen bases and his batting average, his slugging percentage, his on base percentage. Right, it's everything. All, all, all those things that that we don't have access to with racing. We don't. Before 1992, it's like it didn't happen. And even after that, like getting the actual PPs, it's not that easy. It's just not that easy. And And we're talking about you know, things that happened in the 90s. <laughs> not talking about things that happened in the 1890s. We're talking about the 1990s. How, how can these things not be available? It seems like an easy one, <laughs> you know. I, I haven't been to the Hall of Fame in a while, but, you know, do they have, like, the past performances of the horses there? Like, I, I'm sure they have them there some, in some way, shape. They're not on display, but... Yeah, I mean they're probably down in the basement somewhere. Maybe that'll be my my I mean, my, uh, my project for tomorrow. I'll go, I'll go to the Hall of Fame and sneak in the basement and see what I can find. Here's how good the Breeders' Cup turf was in 1985. Theatrical ran 11th. <laughs> that says it all. Bobby Frankel scores Sharanapur, who I think was like a multiple grade one winner. He was last. He was 14th. Grinton was 7th. Danger's Hour was 5th. Who's for Dinner finished 9th. Lashkari. Lashkari, big time. Finished 4th. Even back then, it was all Euros. Euros ran 1, 2, 3, 4. <laughs> a strawberry road in that one? Um, actually, no. Euros uh, Morjane was Tommy Skiffington. She was third for the MIG. Strawberry Road was second. You know, Bianco told me a great story about, about Strawberry Road, but 
And I said, uh, you know, I'm gonna have you on the show. Then I'm like, shit, nobody be able to understand what he's saying. <laughs> I, I, you get can do a dub. video and then just just like do the dub, you know, like get the uh, the the subtitles. Subtitles, exactly. Post it, post it on the website. Pebbles. Pebbles was the Pebbles was the winner that year. Uh, it was it was some some group. Uh, the Breeders' Cup Mile that year was uh, the well the Turf Mile because there was no dirt mile. No dirt mile at that, that point. Um, you didn't mess around, but the Cozine won. Cozine, yep. This is Jose Santos correct? Uh, Walter Guerra. Oh, Walter Guerra. Oof. Walter Guerra. Walter Guerra, who wrote most of Jan uh, Janeiro tours. But that was another race that uh, was full of Europeans, too. Full of Europeans. Palace Music. Roussillon. Tsunami Tsunami Slew was fifth for Eddie Gregson. Dr. Schwartzman, that was Jimmy Kroll. He was fourth. Shadid. Man. That's tough. Al Mamoun was second with uh, Frank for Bobby Frankel. And uh, Angel Cordero, Precisionist won the won the sprint. Yeah, I remember that. He was a really good horse too. I mean, man, just ran at any distance. He <laughs> didn't he run in the classic the year after that. He ran in the classic the year before yeah, that. Before. Yeah, nineteen eighty four. Uh, he was in the race against Wild Again. He was one of the pace setters, early pace setters, and Wild Again just ran him off their feet. That was really one of the great races of all time. Like, yeah, it doesn't get its due credit, I don't think. Th- that horse's race in that race. Because he, Wild Again was a nice horse, but he never ran anything like that before or after that race. The fact that they supplemented him, they paid like $360,000 to get in that race. And then supposedly they made so much money that they, they, had, they had bags of cash. They walked out of Hollywood Park. <laughs> it was, one of the, you know, they were going to get their money back. But that was one of the all-time great rides. Pat Day, like, doesn't hit the horse the whole stretch. I mean, he taps nope. him on the shoulder, underhanded a couple times. But uh, it, it was really a great way to kind of cap off that first Breeders' Cup because it was, I mean, you couldn't ask for a better race. Then a little bit of controversy. Uh, gay dancer. Long shot winner. Well, I'm about done. All right. You done? I'm done. We're done here. Done. Are we done here? Sometimes reminiscing is like great. And other times it's like, man, it's depressing. Depressing, right. Yeah, you're like, man, I miss this. Oh, it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm still looking at the Breeders' Cup Futures, and I got to figure out which Europeans are coming over here to kick our ass. Not that, not, like I said, not that they weren't doing it back in 1985, too, but um, I don't know. It just had a different feel to it. Feel Now it almost feels futile, like our horses just don't have a chance. You know, back then it was like, yeah, we can beat them, and then we usually didn't, but it just doesn't feel like we can beat them anymore. And after the summer, them just coming over, Charlie Appleby especially, just bashing us over the head. Charlie Appleby should get an Eclipse Award. <laughs> <laughs> 
He's having a clips award for most efficient shipping trainer. What's he like? Five for eleven with all grade ones, and oh. then a couple of the losses are horses that finished second because second. he beat right. himself with his own horse. <laughs> An embarrassment of riches. All right, Mister Sniper. Good to uh, catch up as usual. Yes, sir. We'll, uh, we'll be back next week. Same, same bat time, same bat channel. Thank you for listening. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Going in Circles Big Monday show. I wanted to let you know that we have a weekly newsletter that you can subscribe to for free. The Going in Circles Digest. It's a, kind of a combination newsletter, stakes preview. Um, we have some uh, restaurant reviews on there, and various topics, but uh, we also have a couple um, pieces about various uh, industry topics or racing history. This last week we did a piece on the great Arazi and his spectacular move in the 1991 Breeders' Cup Juvenile, which uh, unfortunately was the the pinnacle of his career. But um, it's a free subscription. Go to goingincirclesdigest.substack.com and check it out. All right, the Going in Circles Digest. Thanks for listening. Pleasant Acre Farms, located just outside Ocala, Florida, is a full-service commercial breeding operation that has one of the top stallion rosters in the Sunshine State. Standing 10 horses, including sons of top sires such as Curlin, Harlan's Holiday, Unbridled Song, Scat Daddy, Canthros, and Twirling Candy, you'll be sure to find a great match for your mare at Pleasant Acres. Owned and operated by consummate professionals, Joe and Helen Barbazon, they provide clients with world-class services in all facets of the thoroughbred industry. Their commitment to quality is what allows Pleasant Acre Farms to pursue their passion for breeding champions. Check out their website at pleasantacrestallions.com or call 352-528-2885. Pleasant Acre Farms.